When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. All right, it is Film Study with Ken McCusick. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Ken, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing well because the Orioles signed Alex Cobb. I'm extremely excited about that. But today, we're going to talk about a different signing. The Ravens had an interesting week last week where they uh, announced a signing and then a failed physical and then signed Michael Crabtree this past Friday, about five days ago. And, of course... 
Crabtree is what we're going to break down and talk about the the Michael Crabtree sign-in and his performance. Now, you spent some time for this article for Russell Street Report where you went and watched all of his plays last season? Yeah, you watch all of his targets, not, not quite all of his okay. plays. That's kind of targets. an important distinction. So we went through and we go through the game books and we, we find every single play where he's mentioned, including some penalties where it's not a pass to him necessarily. And, uh, and then we looked at every single one using game pass. It's fairly easy to look up those, uh, those plays once you have the quarter and time references. I've left those in the article in a spreadsheet format, so if anybody else wants to go and analyze it themselves, they can. I'd, I'd encourage you to do that. You can really see who Michael Crabtree is from that, uh, those 101 plays plus about 11 penalties. So uh, it, it's, uh, it's good fun. It took us about five hours with Maureen, and Maureen recording it and me taking a look at it on the screen and then uh, you know a couple more hours to write it up, and we're good. All right. That's not, five hours is not too bad. Um... If, as long as you were able to compile all that stuff, so what? Let's start with some just glances at Crabtree coming in. He's a guy who we know him as a 49er, but he hasn't been a 49er for what three years? Did he spend That's three right. years in Oakland? So three years in Oakland, six years in San Francisco before that. Right. So um, he's not the same guy he was in San Francisco, right? No. Now, his, his yards per catch in particular have dropped significantly since he left San Francisco. At San Francisco, he averaged 12.5 yards a catch, and he's down to 11 yards a catch in Oakland. So even on the balls he is catching, he's not uh, you know, getting as many yards. Part of that is yak-related. He's, he's not a big yak threat, and also he just doesn't have the vertical explosiveness that he had more of as a younger player. All right, and also uh, no longer being a younger player, having six leagues years in the league means he's not as fast as he used to be, correct? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, that vertical explosiveness, you know, I just mentioned, it's, it's, he's now down to having to manipulate that opposing corner to get free vertically. And that's very important because he could make a living and a good living if he could sell and then turn around for the 10-yard hitch play on the sideline that side that – Flacco lived at, with bread and butter with Mason in his first couple of years. So it's something that, that I think that could be back. But in order for it to be successful, he's got to be able to sell the fact that it might be a double move and he's going to be vertically explosive when that happens and, and beat you for a big play. And that's where when his production falls off, it'll probably be because corners realize they can probably catch up to him and he doesn't have the uh, ability to manipulate them anymore. But that's it's true. Anywhere on the field, he's used that uh, ability to go either short or long, and, and he's also in the red zone been able to uh, do the same thing, basically selling the fade route and coming back with a curl or an out to the pylon. So uh, anyway, uh, that's vertically, you know, this is not a, not a player that's going to provide what Wallace did or what Brown might uh, or even what Moore could. Uh, he's, he's a possession receiver. Okay, so he is a uh, Steve Smith replacement. Would you go that way? Yeah, route? Well, Steve Smith had, had probably had more vertical explosiveness, but Steve Smith also possession over the middle guy. They have some similarities that they both work very hard on the individual play. They both work very hard uh, as plays are extended to get open and help the quarterback, and they have an understanding, and therefore they gain an additional level of trust with the quarterback because they're willing to do that. So a lot of that would be true. But Steve Smith was still a great yak guy 
when he was last with the Ravens. Right. And he also had a better catch rate than Crabtree did. And this, uh, some of that goes hand in hand. When you don't get a lot of separation, your catch rate tends to go down. And, and, and last year, Crabtree was just 57.4%. He's averaged 59.1 over the last three years. And when you compare that to other possession receivers like Danny Amendola, Steve Smith, or Antonio Brown, you know, you get much higher average uh, catch rates than that. And he had a good quarterback to work with in Carr, but, uh, but you know, he, he did not deliver on a high catch rate. Well, what about that relationship with the quarterback? You mentioned how he extends plays, so he ends up earning the trust of the quarterback. Um, we had a lot of wide receivers this year that it did not seem Flacco trusted them. It seemed like they never clicked. Uh, did, so you're saying that he had a great relationship with Carr? Carr trusted him, from what you could tell? Yeah, I mean, in in some cases to Crabtree's statistical detriment, I believe, because Carr would, first of all, Crabtree's routes, generally speaking, are outside the number. Of his 101 targets, 74 of them were outside the numbers. So he really plays the sideline. And why they do that is to get him in one-on-one coverage so there's not safety help or linebacker help or they're not throwing over a level or anything like that. It's just he wants that that single coverage. So when he has that, Carr will throw him the ball even though he's not open. And a couple things happen then. One is Carr doesn't have the great arm strength that Flacco has to deliver uh, a, uh, a laser to the outside. And Flacco's been able to do that his entire career, whatever else you might think about it. And the second of the fact is because someone's always close, there's a chance for a, a pass defense and there's a chance for an interception. And uh, there are higher rates of passes defense in particular versus Crabtree than I've ever seen analyzing another receiver. He just he, A lot of balls end up being contested, and he has a lot of uh, trouble hauling it in under those circumstances. And if I would add one more point to that is that Carr would get in trouble in the pocket, and his natural mechanism at that point was throw it up in Crabtree's direction because he knew Crabtree would, would have a high probability to prevent the interception even if he didn't make the reception himself. So I think that hurt his stats a little. Okay, but, but that's impressive. If the quarterback is, if you're the type of receiver that the quarterback's counting on you, uh, we haven't entrusted you more than himself in many ways. We haven't seen that in Baltimore no, in a while. We've, yeah, you're right. I mean, it would have been like Pitta's relationship with Flacco was similar, probably Steve Smith, of course, Derek Mason in the distant past. Why is, I guess, is it that relationship with the quarterback, that trust from Carr, why his end zone targets were so high? Um, let's see. I mean, he had, he had his, his red zone targets. You yeah. Mean? Yeah. Like, okay. yeah, he's got lots of uh, touchdown passes much higher than anyone on the Ravens have had. And, um, that's what I'm wondering. Is that because he trusts the quarterback? Is it the double move he's doing that makes him yeah. works in that short distance? Yeah. I think he's, he's a good red zone target in particular because he can sell the fade versus the curl of the out to the pylon. So you, you, you know what I'm talking about when I say the fade route, he's going towards the back pylon in the corner of the end zone right. and, and the curl of the out, he's coming back towards the front pylon. And a lot of quarterbacks like to work with that. If they like to throw a line drive or a laser and Flacco will be good with that. Uh, you know, if the last game of the year against Cincinnati, the touchdown pass to Wallace was just that sort of route. And, uh, and it was something Flacco really likes jamming the ball in there when, uh, when he sees that uh, window. All right. Um, well, that, that, I mean, hey, if we can make a, score some more touchdowns, that's got to do well. We've had a lot of frustrations with wide receivers this past season. 
mm-hmm. as as Raven fans. And I'm sure this isn't the only thing the Ravens are doing, but it seems like they're re- they've decided we're rebuilding our wide receivers completely. It looks like, and it's starting with this guy. Are you? Do you think this is a good move for the Ravens? I th- I like it in terms of the price relative to an incredibly overpriced market. The first day of free agency, and this is always some a good reason to wait on free agency. The first day of free agency was ridiculous in terms of pricing. You had Sammy Watkins going for sixteen million a year for three years, and uh, you know a whole bunch of other players going. Then the Ravens signed Grant, and Grant goes for uh, uh, you know twenty nine million for four years, which just seems with fourteen of that guaranteed, which seems outrageous frankly for a, a, a guy with his resume and uh, and then Crabtree became available and Ryan Grant field is physical and that combination obviously made it possible for the Ravens to sign Crabtree I, th- I don't think they would have done it if Grant had not field is physical I may be wrong about that okay did you uh before Grant failed his physical did you start getting deep in on Grant and what type of player he was you know, I, I was waiting to make sure the thing happened, and then I was happy that I did. But, but yes, we would have done the same thing for Grant. This is something right. we did for Bolden back in the time and something we did for Steve Smith as well when he got acquired. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I was wondering. I just had questions about Grant, if you had gone deep in that, because it seemed like uh, so much money for Grant compared to this deal. And Yeah, it was, it was absurd. And this was a guy that uh, Crabtree people actually draft in, in fantasy football. If you play fantasy football, you know who Crabtree is because you've drafted him. Or someone on your team has. Uh, Grant was not one of those guys, necessarily. Yeah, Grant, I would say, would have a higher ceiling than Crabtree in terms of what he might produce in terms of yardage in a year. But but Crabtree, you're getting more of a known. You have less of a long-term commitment, less guaranteed money. It's all positive. Right. Uh, you, you listed on your article that you're expecting 70 catches, about 80, 800 yards, and 7 to 8 touchdowns in 2018. And that comes with a big if. And he's got to stay healthy the whole year, and he's right. got to not get not get in Harbaugh's doghouse. And I stay healthy, probably sixty percent. He's been a healthy player, but he's older. And get, stay out of Harbaugh's doghouse. What do you think? Seventy percent? Eighty percent? I haven't done. Is there any? I don't. I haven't, don't remember any issues with Crabtree in Oakland. Um, but that doghouse does. I am surprised some of the people that end up in that doghouse. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how does that compare with guys we had previously? Well, Wallace had 748 yards last year, and it wasn't a particularly great year for for him. He did have four touchdowns. Um, he's more of an all-or-nothing threat, where where he would he would uh, have a lot of his yards come on longer pass plays. There's nothing wrong with that. You need that as a complimentary player. Uh, he wasn't bad. Uh, I just wouldn't have gone for big money this year. I think the Brown signing is probably a slightly better value than w- what the Ravens would have gotten from Wallace. Okay. Uh, I did forget he did get in that fight last season, so that there is a little bit, of, a little bit of that that might be a little red flag. Thinking of the doghouse. Yeah, that cost him two games because he he was he was thrown out three minutes into that game. Talib was thrown out also, which actually right. probably Ned is probably a good deal for Oakland to get Talib thrown out with uh, with Crabtree. But uh, but in any case, it wasn't a good thing, and they they both were suspended originally for two games. And then they both got reduced to one game after an appeal. So, uh, anyway, two games missed. It wasn't good. All right. Um, am I missing anything else on Crabtree? Um, I mean, I think how he acts with the rest of the team may be one of the real interesting things to watch this year. He's a, uh, you know, obviously a fiery guy. I think you could see some T.O. like 
uh, divaness on the sidelines. So you could quite possibly end up getting into it with Marty Morningweg or the receivers coach or maybe even another receiver. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's a good teammate. I, I kind of like that. I kind of, I kind of like that to attitude uh, from a football player. And I expect wide receivers are divas. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw he he shared that he has been a he was a Ravens fan his whole life until he got drafted, and he was always dreamt of playing on the Ravens. Do you believe that, or you think he's just saying that? He could be telling the truth. It'd be great if he was. If he, I, I'd, I'd rather ask him some questions about who are the players you really looked up to growing up, and I, then see if it, that all fit together. I laughed but, because <laughs> I, I laughed because what I did was look up his birth date, and he was nine years old when the Ravens came to Baltimore. Nine so, years old. See, nine he years would have been old 13. and living in Dallas. So unless as a teenager he fell in love with Ray Lewis, I don't know what he's talking about. Because he would have been when the Dallas was winning the Super Bowls it was in about that age. 94, 95, he yeah. would have been he would have been a little younger. But when the Ravens won the Super Bowl, that might have been when he was first becoming a fan. And right, I, I guess 13, it's possible. 14, so not yeah. as a little child, but a teenager maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm not buying the story that he looked up to Kadri Ishmael and, and he wanted to be just like him. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> So, all right, uh, well, the Ravens made a move. They got one wide receiver. We've got another month, month and a oh, at least a month until the draft, right? Draft's at the end of April? Yeah, end of, end, end of April or is it end of May now? This is really bad that uh, maybe I don't know it, maybe this. It's, for... Maybe it's two months away. Um, either way, the, I'm going to look that up right now. But the Yeah, so am I. They've got a lot still to do. Yeah, end of April. It begins Thursday the 26th, so it's uh, All right. you know, it's about 37 about, days away. About a month away, a little more over a month. Um, you still think they're going to expand the, with getting young wide, a young wide receiver in the draft, or you think we should look for them to sign another free agent before then? Okay, that's really that's really a big question. I do think they'll get one wide receiver in the draft at some point. I think they'll for certain have to draft a tight end in the draft. But the team's biggest need by far now with the recent moves is offensive tackle. They don't have they don't have anybody other than Stanley who they can really trust to play the position. And I, they could probably trust Yanda to play the position, but that's then that kills all your flexibility. And by the way, Yanda's being being offered out to every other position because he'd literally be the best Ravens player at four of the five offensive line positions. If he played center, either right. guard position or right tackle, he'd be the best. Only left tackle, you wouldn't you wouldn't want him over Stanley. But, you know, the Ravens are going to have to do something to shore that up. Ryan Jensen got a huge deal from the Bucks, Very well deserved, by the way, but, uh, but it's the kind of deal that I wish more current Ravens or more Ravens in general would invest in their own careers the way that Ryan Jensen did to spend an off season getting in shape to play the game and uh, and then get really paid off for it. I'm I'm fine that he only did it in his contract year, but I would I would prefer if more players were doing it and uh, and hopefully prior to their contract years. Okay. Uh Bertrand Perryman, will he be back with the Ravens? I you know, I think the chance is still pretty good that he will be. Uh you know, it's year three for him, so right. his his option I'm sorry, it's year four for him coming up, isn't it? Year four I believe it's four. Yeah. Yes, he's here for this. Is the this is the end of his optionality? There is value to cutting him in terms of a of a, of a cap gain. So it's possible they'll cut him for that reason because they have zero optionality left. They did not pick up his fifth year option, so they don't own him or the rights to him or the ability to offer him any kind of a tag of any sort. I guess they could end up franchising him or something, but they, but that's not realistic. Yeah, now so you're talking miracles. Yeah, 
So he'd, he'd really have to he'd really have to break out with a big year. Now, you know that said, I don't know what Brashad's been doing this off season. Hopefully not nothing or shooting craps or whatever. But hopefully he's been doing more than than you know to improve his receiving skills. But two years ago in his in his second year, he was a pretty good receiver in terms of we saw flashes that you know, you could have a star there. And, uh, and well, anyway, I'd like to see him on the field. I'd like to see what he can do at least in the in the summer and. Uh, Hopefully he still is a ball player for the Ravens. All right. Uh, one more draft question. Is this a year for a quarterback? Mid or late round is a possibility. Now, we discussed this a little bit on the show with Brian about right. the salary cap. Yes. So, so you know that Flacco is is in a kind of a make-or-break year because the cost next year will only be, I think it's $16 million to to unload him, and they can split that over two years at $8 million per year. Right, yeah. And so... Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, this coming year is big for Harbaugh, big for Flacco. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, if I, if I had to guess, Greg Roman is sitting on the sideline and could be an interim coach who gets a chance on a full-time basis. So, you know, you've got people on the sideline who are waiting. That's always dangerous. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously they could do a, another search, as they did for Harbaugh, to find, you know, the next really good young coach, uh, which would make a lot of sense if, if they indeed feel they need to move on from him. Right. Um, all right, Ken. Well, at least the Ravens did something exciting. It's been an exciting uh, five, six days for Baltimore sports fans with the Ravens making a sign, the Orioles making a sign, and, and then UMBC played well with the tournament. So we've had some fun Baltimore sports, and uh, now we get some snow on the first day of spring. So Yeah, with uh, eight days to opening day, and it really feels like it, doesn't it? It, it, it looks like baseball season out there. Um, all right, Ken, so I want people to go over to Russell Street Report. You mentioned this article. They need to read this. Are you working on something else right now or getting ready for the next move the Ravens will make? I have, I have a few things on the on the burner right now. We're going to do a podcast and a radio show on comparing the 2006 defense to the current defense to see what elements are to, of it are really re- replicatable given the changes in personnel. So that'll be an interesting thing. I'm doing it with Deb Penchwa. The radio portion we'll do on air with uh, with Tony, and the podcast portion uh, we'll do with you. And All right. uh, hopefully, we'll we'll that'll be about the end of the month. Right. So that'll be the uh, Fanimal on Saturday mornings. The, the Fanimal on Saturday mornings. So it's an eight o'clock show. Um, anyway, tell them about your show, Josh. Yeah. Uh, oh, at, at Film Study Ravens to follow me on Twitter. I'm sorry about that. And no Josh, tell them about your show. Yeah, my show is Section 336, and now is when you want to come on board. Because baseball season is when my podcast gets excited. In fact, uh, today's Wednesday, and we've already done two episodes of Section 336 this week because we had Derek Arnold on on Tuesday to, uh, or on Monday night to talk about some of the stuff going on at spring training. And the one thing we purposely avoided during the whole conversation is rotation talk because we didn't want to get into the rotation. And sure enough, the next day, the Orioles signed Alex Cobb. So Matt and I hopped on the mics, and we had a emergency podcast episode we put out last night to talk about the Alex Cobb signing, which the two of us are extremely excited about and think that's a big difference maker for the Orioles this year. So check out Section 336 on uh, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, all that stuff. Now, since we don't have sponsors, let's take just a moment on that, because I know you're excited about the Alex Cobb signing, and I would have been if they'd signed him prior to the 2015 season. He was actually hurt that year, but he, but he, but through four years, right. he looked like one hell of yes. a pitcher. Yes, and then he had Tommy John. 
Uh-huh. And then he's been healing from Tommy John. So he had this magic pitch that they called the thing. And it was basically a change-up uh, splitter mix. And he would throw that before he got Tommy John. Last year, it was his first full year back after Tommy John. He did not throw that pitch. And all of the experts say the change-up is the last pitch that you get back after rehabbing from Tommy John. And uh, Alex Cobb today was saying that the change-up is back, that he will be throwing the change-up. So I'm extremely excited to see Alex Cobb, who was better last year than anyone on the Orioles, and now to have that changeup back. He, this deal, uh, this $60 million, four years, could look like a steal in a couple years. I, I, I hope you're right. You know, at, at age 30 this season, you know, it's, it's someone that I don't like to generally buy into 30-year-old pitchers. And since he came back from Tommy John, he's given up 1.2 homers per yes. nine innings, whereas he was uh, uh, right around .6, I guess, before then for his right. career. Right, that's that. Yeah. yeah, that's that pitch and that difference. And he's healthy, even with all the bad stats that you want to say from last year. It's still better than anyone else that's on the Oriole team. So I'm excited about that. Excited about uh, the fact that we have a rotation with actually five professional pitchers now <laughs> it's been a while since <laughs> since i could say that so uh yeah i'm all bought in and i think that this season could be fun we have a shot at the wild card now i still think the yankees are going to run away with the al east the red sox are going to run away with the wa- first wild card but that second wild card is is well within reach of the orioles and i'm also very excited about the four-year deal because i think that extends this window that we all thought maybe this window closes when manny leaves at the end of this season and it looks like there's at least going to be some pitching here the next three years after this. So maybe you can put something together. Okay. Plus right. the Orioles spent money, and that's a positive. What about, do you think this affects the re-signing of Scope? I think that this gives me hope for a re-signing of Scope. Because you're going to want to put other guys out there. You're going to clear some payroll with Manny and Jones and Britton leaving. And the fact that you've signed... Uh, uh, long term for him, Cashner for two years, and you know you got Gosman Bundy. This gives me hope that you're going to want to keep Scope around as well. All right. Do, do you guys talk at all in retrospect about the opportunities missed to trade Britain or Alexander? Sorry, or Manny. <laughs> yes, it sucks. Yes, yeah. we uh, yes missed them both. Britain, I really thought we should have traded early on uh, after he was after he was in those Cy Young nominations. I mm-hmm. thought that was the time to trade him. They didn't. He got hurt. It sucks. Uh, Manny, I am going to enjoy watching Manny play baseball this year. And if they, if the Orioles are uh, still in line for the wild card slot come July, I don't want to trade him. If you get into the playoffs this year, I won't be mad at the Orioles for not trading Manny Machado. If they have a horrible season, they blew it with not getting rid of Manny Machado. Okay, well, that's that's not... That's not really fair at them because they have to make the judgment now oh, as well. Oh, of they course they, they do. Chance. Of course they do. But but the question is, did you? if you're going to keep Manny for this year, then you need to put in as much as you can and, and do whatever you can do to make this year matter. Otherwise, right. you should have traded Manny. The truth is they should have traded Manny last year, and the fact right. that they let it go to this offseason, man, it was kind of wasted anyway. Right. I, I agree with that. And they had a chance to – uh, direct Machado outside of the division by trading him last year, and now he's going to end up with the Yankees almost certainly, or at least seems that way. There's already tampering going on to yeah. that effect. Yeah, <laughs> my, my money's on Philly. I think he ends up up in Philly. Okay. 
but we'll see. So, all right, Ken, uh, thanks for another film study. We'll be back in a few weeks with the uh, podcast that you just mentioned, and then we'll be getting ready for the draft in about a month as well. So I'll talk to you then. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.